the moon made of green cheese, why does Intel smell of glue? I bet you don't even have a clue. Oh, that's cute. <laughs> Welcome to Broken Silicon, a PC hardware and gaming podcast. That was a catchphrase submission out of nowhere from blokes. Um, I don't know. I got to say, I think we're going to have to keep searching for a new catchphrase if we're to use one. Um, frankly, I think half of it doesn't make sense and that you were just really excited it was rhyming. But uh, Intel smells of glue because now they're gluing their processors together after giving AMD shit for doing the same thing. <laughs> to the rhyming scheme, there doesn't seem to be the most clear rhyming scheme considering the first line ends with cheese. But... You know, I guess there's there is something there. <laughs> if uh, haikus are a thing, I guess this is. This is not a haiku. <laughs> I know, but are haikus even really a haiku? I mean, really? Uh, I mean, they're the highest form of poetry. Five, seven, five, art. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, how yeah? How are you doing, Dan? I see your dog behind you. Yeah, she's pretty good. Just took her for a walk. Um, I guess I'm good. Didn't have to kill too many zebrafish today, so. Um, yeah, it's pretty hot in the Midwest. In fact, it's funny because it's so hot in September, but it's September, so you can't cheat. Mother Nature can't get too mad of a, at us with global warming. It's trying to kill us, uh, but... It's still fall, so the night gets to like 50, <laughs> and then it, but it's 87 right now. That's pretty dope. Yeah. Is it hot in the Northeast? Nah, this, is the, this is the weather report part of the podcast, if anyone's wondering. It's like 60s. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. You know, we talk about moving to some other place in the mid, um, Midwest soon. I don't know. That 60 sounds nice. <laughs> okay. Um, well, I guess, uh, you know, it's actually been a weird week for me. I, uh, I killed two possums this week. Oh, that's good. <laughs> I, uh, a couple traps went off, and then I saw this enormous tail crawling away in the pantry through a hole, and I was like, I don't think they have dog-sized rats. That's only in New York. Yeah. <laughs> and apparently Seattle. I looked it up and I heard clicking moving around under the house. For those who don't know, I don't live in like a swamp or <laughs> like I live in a city, but apparently I'm next to a uh, preserve. So yeah, uh, my uh, Dan knows this. I have a repair. Uh, it got some use. <laughs> Repairs and hatchets. Really good at taking out possums. <laughs> And uh, as of uh, what we learned a couple years ago, three of our dogs are pretty good at <laughs> killing a possum. If you remember us returning uh, to a dead possum to your house like a week later. <laughs> yeah, well, so everyone knows. We'll see. This is going to be a very polarizing opening to an episode. But, what, you know, uh, I, what, you'll let me know if we need more possum talk. But uh, let's uh, get to the first story, Dan. So I don't know. Did you watch my netcat video, or did you did you see any stories about this? The netcat security flaw. Um. Yeah, I mostly heard about it through conversations with you and some articles I read. But I, I don't know. It's these 
<laughs> these uh uh god these flaws seem to just be stacking up like monthly at this point like it's a new one every month what's really funny is me and you were playing borderlands 3 the other night and with our another one of our best friends we would consider him kind of a cousin at this point and he works at a healthcare company and I told him that one of the solutions to disabling or, or to mitigating this flaw might be that you just have to disable virtualization in your CPU. And he started laughing. And I'm like, ah, good. I'm glad. See, he really does know enough to talk to PC hardware stuff about. He's one of my few friends who really gets it. And it's just like, he works at a healthcare company, just like the person in uh, episode eight of Broken Silicon used to. And he gets that disabling virtualization is an 80% performance drop. And he said, wait, I know our servers use Intel. I looked it up. Like, <laughs> like I might actually talk to someone about this now that you've mentioned this to me. And, in, and, and I will say this too. Someone in the comments of YouTube said, hey, what does the uh, guy from episode eight think? And I responded, what does he think? How do you think I know about it before everyone else? <laughs> Yeah, so this comes from him. And to be clear, I've talked to him a bit. Actually, I still need to talk to him. There'll probably be another podcast with him once he figures out all the flaws, which I'm excited for. Uh, but we're going to wait for him to get all the information in first. Uh, it's not confirmed. It's not confirmed that you need to disable virtualization. Um, but he is so done with Intel for his personal servers. And all he advises now within the company is switching to AMD. Everyone is fed up with this. Like, it's it's... And, and that's why I called that video the last straw to break the camel's back because it's like, yeah, just disable hyperthreading and virtualization. You know, the entire point of a Xeon. Well, yeah, and I mean, it just gets to a point where, what is it? it? Like, you work on these big systems for such a long time and they don't really upgrade them that often, but if they have to keep doing this, like, yeah, this could be the straw. Like, companies that were planning on being on Intel for several years who knows what will happen <laughs> yeah um I, I think this could be the death nail for the server market and you know the one thing i will say is uh litigation is gonna come to intel guys like that's how bad this is <laughs> <laughs> i won't confirm if I know something, <laughs> but uh, well, I basically am confirming that. But I, I don't think that's, I have to tell you that I know that there are law firms putting together big lawsuits against Intel right now, just because I, I kind of have to say it for insider reasons, right? I haven't bought any stock since this though, so it doesn't matter. But <laughs> but seriously, um, I don't think I need to tell you that, though, right? Like, the CEO during the first security breaches, uh, he sold all of his stock a month before the security stuff came out. And I know they say they fired him for having a relationship with an employee, but it was consensual, and it had been going on for a while. I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty <laughs> sure they pushed him out because he was asleep at the wheel, and he was clearly a worthless CEO. Which, if you look at Intel right now, <laughs> An argument could be made, at least. At least there's no one in his corner, I would say, from the point of how they're doing. <laughs> but uh, yeah, let's move on. So number two, speaking of server markets, AMD is already in closed-door meetings, I believe it is, showing Zen 3 will be significantly more efficient than even Intel's 10 nanometer server chips. And I find this absolutely hilarious <laughs> because those 10 nanometer server chips 
I give it a 50-50 chance they'll even exist. And if they do, I think they'll be clocked super low. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I don't have too much to add to this. It's just m- more bad news for Intel's upcoming next, what, five years probably? <laughs> yeah, it's it's just so ridiculous. Like, I, I, I And people are like, well, about 10 nanometer. It's like, first of all, it's not coming to server. And second of all, AMD is already showing closed-door benchmarks of their next-gen CPUs that are coming out next year, by the way, people, beating Intel CPUs that don't exist, probably will never exist, and if they do, they'll come out in 2021, I would assume, at the earliest. So it's just... It, it's, it's just, I just don't get it. I mean, I actually have a video I threw together after reading a Seeking Alpha uh, article about buying Intel. And I'm just <laughs> like, I don't get why you gotta catch this falling knife if Intel bottoms in stock price. It's... It's going to be after Zen 3 comes out, people, not before. (laughs) Not that this is financial advice or anything. Yeah. (laughs) This is purely entertainment, Dan. Yeah. Uh, But we have a reader mail question, which you can submit if you support us on Patreon. Dragonetti asks, Tom, I was reading some information regarding AMD and TSMC development plans for implementing new and improved technologies, and I was wondering if someone has similar ideas or information. We know Zen 3 will be produced on 7 nanometer plus. We know TSMC claims it increases transistor count by 20%, reduces power by 10 under the same loads. So with these architecture improvements, I think this could be a beast of an architecture and quite a boost, but what else is coming to Zen 3? And he, he, he posits some scenarios, but really it's like, I've already done, right, a few big videos on Zen 3. I'm like the (laughs) Zen 3 flag bearer, and it's because I see this as AMD's Ivy Bridge. This is when AMD conquers everything. Uh, Here's what I have been told. Double the efficiency, massive L4 cache, one gigabyte plus, notable independent IPC gains from clock speed or the cache. I don't know how much higher, but you know, I would say that means 5 to 10%. It's not going to be you know, well, even Zen Plus, I believe, was like, yeah, like a 5%. So I believe more than Zen Plus's IPC increase, not Zen 2 perhaps, but I think that means at least 8% IPC increase. And then SMT4. So they're doubling the threads per core, another like, let's say 8% IPC, a massive L4 cache, which in certain most applications will have huge ramifications as well. Um, and overall, this should lead to double efficiency. But even in terms of raw performance, it should be clocked higher as well, just like Ivy Bridge was. And I just, I, I think this is the big singularity point here, just because it's like they're getting better and better. And Zen 2 is frankly over twice as good as Zen 1. <laughs> but uh, because it doubled the cores and. Yeah and increased IPC at the yeah. same power usage. So that's twice as, over twice as good. But um, Zen 3 is doubling threads, at least, and increasing IPC, and then cutting power down. So any 65-watt 8-core you have now, which people forget, I know the 3700X is, you know, what is it, 95 watts? But yeah. so the 3700 will be 65 watts whenever they release the budget version. And that 65 watts is now going to be like 35. And now it could have more threads. This is, I know it's not quite as big of a deal as Zen 2 from a raw performance point of view, but this is almost as big, or at least I would say closer to Zen 3 than certainly anything like a 
talk or a Zen plus. And because of that, right, this is this is over the finish line. This is like Zen 2 made it hilarious, and this is gonna make it a non-starter to even choose Intel. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean I guess we don't know how much of this will be put into consumer models at this point, just because I don't know how much of this is even necessary at this point to put into consumer models, but <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I, yeah, I've been thinking about that a lot recently. That's a good point. You know, I think Zen 3, obviously for Epic, they'll want to give you SMT4 and a ton of cash, but... Yeah. I, I think it makes sense for some mobile chips to get SMT3, assuming it's not a ton of cores. That's really up for debate. Me and Cortex talked about that a lot, actually. We'll probably talk about it again. It's just, if it is bogged down from people I've talked to, three threads will be utilized if programmed, if built correctly. It will. It just will be used. Four threads, no. You could lose performance unless it's a specific application. But, you know, I, I mean, even if we move, remove the SMT. Well, like, or, like one gigabyte L4 cache, I think that would obviously be a positive for <laughs> consumers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't think they're going to give it to everyone, though. That's what I would say is what I could see happening is in 2020, there's like a 3920X, which is just like a 5 gigahertz 12 core. They just released 4.8 to 5 gigahertz versions of all of their existing Zen 2. And then at the same time, they'll release like a 3930 and who knows what they call it, right? Like, I I don't know. M or like, I don't know what they would call it. And that's the version that comes with SMT3 and maybe even just half a gigabyte of HBM or a gigabyte of HBM. And it's like, yeah, that one's another $200. Definitely. I mean, yeah, I would definitely expect it on Threadripper and Epic. Definitely Epic, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I've always seen it. I, there were so, I know Xbox was considering SMT3 for Xbox mm-hmm. too. I don't think they're using it anymore, but they were considering it. What that tells me is they will definitely use it on Threadripper then. But I doubt they'll even give SMT4 to Threadripper. But maybe I'm wrong. They might give SMT4. Like, it wouldn't surprise me if what they decided is, you know, certain models of AM4 get SMT3, and then certain models of Threadripper get SMT4. That actually Um, makes a lot of sense. Yeah, maybe. Uh, I guess we'll see when it comes out. I mean, I think... Something like SMT3 on the Xbox would make a lot of sense just because of, mm. I, I don't know, just because it's a more custom machine. So they could, I, I think someone like Xbox with a consumer facing product would be maybe be able to utilize that better than like a consumer P, uh, CPU. I mean, <laughs> well, what you actually mean is a Windows PC because the way yeah. I described <laughs> me, and people keep bringing this up to me a lot lately, is that seriously, Windows scheduler is horse shit. Like, it's just <laughs> not, like, it's just like, like, I think Cortex said to me, it literally just doesn't know what to do with threads. And like, AMD's working with them on this now, and it's getting way better. Like, if you look at new gaming benchmarks, the 2990WX, which is all about the threads and has a segmented memory system, is actually gaming almost as well as the 16 core now, finally, in most games. But <laughs> so there's progress being made, but it's just like I've seen benchmarks where the Linux version of an application gets a 50% boost using Threadripper. <laughs> well, yeah, it just comes down to that uh, thing. I think I've 
brought up before where it's for some of this stuff it's like how much is it the hardware be the limiting factor and as how much of it is just the software is the limiting factor in a lot of these things because mm. it seems like a lot of the software developers aren't trying that hard to make it work but <laughs> maybe i'm wrong yeah jim keller definitely wants to point two fingers at software developers <laughs> right now he all he talked about both in person and in that video i uploaded was just like hey maybe you guys could do your job <laughs> yeah that might be good all right and number three 127 watt i9-9900k is coming out ks uh, kind of. And what I thought was hilarious when I dug into this article is what they said is this. It technically has the same specs. I, right? Did you skim this yeah, article? Yeah, th this one's... <laughs> okay, I'm not It's crazy. weird. <laughs> it has, okay, so, so everyone understands. The 9900KS was announced as having technically the same specs as the 9900K, but it comes with a 4 gigahertz base mode option i think and that is 127 watt which i always love that 127 watt i have why to. not 125 it's probably really 140 watt and they're just like eh, eh, because they because they know anyone with a bigger heat sink than one because they then they can reject it to oems no 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 that's not 127 watt that has to be at least 125 and then they'll build it with like a 140 watt and i'm sure 140 watt knowing intel means not 140 watt but <laughs> Well, yeah, and that's the thing. So it's 127-watt TDP with 4 gigahertz, which is really probably like 140. And then that's a 4 gigahertz base, though. So a 10% higher base clock for 34% uh, more TDP. So the 5 gigahertz has to be 200-watt. Yes. <laughs> I, I didn't do the math, but I'm just trying to think about it in my head. <laughs> but, yeah. You know, you know, I want to be clear. I always hope for the best. I always do. And uh, I was like, who knows? Maybe they'll get like a 5 gigahertz with like a 4.5 base and it'll have a 180 watt. And that would be something that would fit into a lot of PCs. Yeah. But I'm not seeing it. This is Intel trying to lie that this is just the, what was it? The FX9590, that 5 gigahertz pile driver. That's what this is. I don't think it will use two. Well, it might. It might use 220 watts. I have no evidence it won't. I don't know. Well, it, I, and I have to imagine just with this weird weird uh thing like they have to be content discontinuing i mean the i9 9900k right I no this is just better yield sold above it which is weird they don't just call it actually right so oh that's yeah, weird yeah. That they don't just call it a 9950k <laughs> oh wait they i think they already <laughs> have a 9920x for cat for uh hedt though oh okay so they can't say this is better than that yeah, well, they should. I don't know. Then, then you uh, you you should have called it a ninety nine hundred. The ninety nine hundred K point five. <laughs> you know, this is something I want to point out too that I realized as I'm reading this right now. It's like, um, so one thing people talk about a lot is it's like, well, can it do five gigahertz? And that's a meme. Of, frankly, it's a meme making fun of Intel fanboys at this point. But at the same time, you understand the base clocks of a lot of uh, Zen processors are a lot higher than their, 
uh, Intel counterparts. I mean, the base clock of the 9900K, which is renowned for 5 gigahertz clocks, is 3.6 gigahertz. <laughs> Unless you over double the TDP, you are a 3.6 gigahertz base, which is lower than its counterparts from Zen 2. So I know Zen 2 doesn't boost as high, but its base clock significantly better. It seems like whatever they're doing overall with their structure is pretty strange because there's also the 9900KF, which I don't understand what the purpose of that is. But <laughs> it, it doesn't have integrated graphics. Oh, okay. But they're selling so, it. Okay. <laughs> they sell it for a little less. So yeah, I don't know what the price on this will be either. I think it'll probably be... 550 maybe? It doesn't seem that much better, so one would hope. I, I honestly don't know. It says special edition, too. So you know what? It wouldn't surprise me if this was like a limited release and they're not even really selling a lot of them. They just want to be able to say they have something close to a 3900X, even yeah. though it's it's not going to be. <laughs> but speaking of not close to a 3900X, number four, <laughs> Tiger Lake Info. And here's the thing. Before I talk about Tiger Lake for two of our podcasts in a row, People are probably going, why is this guy talking about Tiger Lake? But it's almost like it's not as interesting as Zen 3, to be clear. But it's one of those things where I think we need to pay attention to this because whether it's good or not, it's going to be funny because now we know it's definitely going to have Willow Cove cores, which is the next gen after Sunny Cove. Sunny Cove already having 18% higher IPC than Coffee Lake. And it does. It's proven. It has. It can't boost at all because it's on 10 gigahertz, but I'm on, it's on 10 uh, nanometer. But <laughs> it does have 18% higher IPC. So that is true. And apparently Willow Cove could have another 10% or 5% at least. So, all right. What's it? Let's say it's 10, which it probably won't be, but that's the most I would guess. 10%. So 1.1 times 1.18, right? That's so now. <laughs> That's math. I don't feel like mental math. I don't feel like doing right nah, now. But you're, yeah, but you're almost at, you're almost at thirty percent higher IPC than Coffee Lake. Yeah. Okay. So this is a quad core that might have the performance of six cores on desktop or almost eight cores. <laughs> I know you're really excited about the how dumb this the, is. The singularity. Of, <laughs> I'm calling it the singularity of where. Their, this node gets more efficient than their uh, <laughs> uh, desktop hardware. <laughs> well, not just the node, but the architecture to the point that everyone's like, why are you even selling these? <laughs> and, and then Intel's answer is because we can only make 10 of these. <laughs> Like, that's what's so funny about this is like their 10th gen laptop processors yeah, most of them are still 14 nanometer. I know they got those 10 nanometer ones, but it's it's very funny for me to watch because I think we might get to a situation where you have these embedded motherboards with the 10 nanometer uh, Tiger Lake CPUs built in. And if they could actually boost and you could actually overclock them like they're unlocked to like 4.5 gigahertz, even if, even if efficiency goes out the window, who knows? Like... <laughs> A quad-core 4.5 gigahertz that has 30% more IPC than Coffee Lake, that's going to probably be get better at gaming than their new 10-core or something. And it's going to look... I just well, don't want to see it. 30% better? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I don't know how much that translates, but like maybe better than like a 6-core. I don't know. <laughs> oh, yeah. It'll definitely be better than their 6-core. 
Um, except in some games where it might get crazy bogged down. But because of the security problems, less cores will probably actually play even more into <laughs> Tiger Lake's fan. I just, I want to watch this. And this is that video I made. It was a very quick video. It was prepare for Intel's hibernation. But I actually think the point I made there was very, like, just get ready to go. Why are there these awesome things Intel's making here? And then on desktop, there's nothing. It's like, because they've given up. They, they saw Threadripper 2 and they said, we're done. Yeah, and they can only make 10 of these, <laughs> alluding to your previous comment, they can only make 10 of these at a time. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so let's move on to number five. Uh, boost clocks on Ryzen are fixed. I have multiple people in my Discord telling me it's fine now. I mean, I guess that's what we said previously. I mean, I don't know. That's good. <laughs> yeah. I feel I feel good to know that we uh, called it right again. <laughs> like you had a couple of tech tubers I saw jumping out. Like, frankly, I get it, and I've maybe maybe I've done it before, but like a chance to get people think I'm such an AMD fanboy. I'm not. There's just so much shit to throw at Nvidia right now, and Intel's in a hole. I don't. <laughs> again, I don't dislike Intel at all. I still use their products, but. I re and I like their company. I like the people I met there at Hot Chips, but they are in a hole. So I know that I make two types of videos most of the time one where I call NVIDIA stupid, and then one where I tell you Intel's doomed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I'm just saying, like, I'm not going to make a video against AMD because I need to balance it. There's nothing to say. I have nothing to say about these boost clocks. I was like, they are boosting. And I think people are overblowing this. And also, from what I heard from talking to Steve Walton at Hardware Unboxed, he said he thinks it's probably a BIOS thing from the start. And anyone who jumped down AMD's throat, it was a BIOS thing. AMD didn't lie. They fixed it. It's a CPU launch. And, you know, I would rather have a boost clock that's 100 megahertz lower than later than uh, have a 10% performance loss from security problems. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, I guess looking at it, it, the previous clocks, it's not like they were insanely below what you would expect for boost clocks. I mean, it's not good that when they came out, they, they weren't boosting properly, but I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you know, I will say this, though, uh, about AMD. I've talked to people who work at Intel. Uh, I know Paul, uh, not an Apple fan, has a family member who works at Intel. And he's talked to me about this in detail, and other people have too. Like Intel's quality control is honestly unparalleled. The stuff they put into now, if they have an architectural weakness for securities, that's not the same thing. But their quality control is insane. Every Intel product I bought works the day it comes out. Working drivers, working it all just works, uh, as Jensen would say. And so that's something where AMD is just a smaller company, and that's. One reason I didn't really even honestly, if I'm being honest, consider buying Ryzen 3000 at launch because I'm going to wait for the bugs to get worked out. And I don't see that as a thing with Radeon. Um, Radeon, well, it is a thing with Radeon. It's just well, better than NVIDIA, in my opinion. Well, but, yeah. I mean, and if you look back at those previous, like the, like I remember with the 7000 series, like those things got 20% better over time, it seems like. but <laughs> Yeah. So there is a thing to be said for waiting a little bit with AMD. Hashtag always waiting AM dumbs. <laughs> if you're a WCCF fan, it's all they say in the comments. But uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. 
I think I think people really played this up too because everyone was mad that we didn't get five gigahertz CPUs and like guys they have them they're just not out yet. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I don't, actually I forgot to talk about this uh, before. Well, actually let's get to this reader mail question. So Carbon Cry writes in as you can if you support us on Patreon and says, "Should I buy the thirty nine hundred X as an investment to get my sweet five dollar reimbursement for the Boost Clock Foss advertising?" Um, well, I will say I previously joke. tried to do this, Tom, and it failed because I do not live in the state of California. So if you live in California, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Did you see that check I sent you a picture of the other day? Yes. <laughs> Was that? Yeah. Hey, guys, I'll have you know. <laughs> Because Sony removed Linux from the PS3, I am the recipient of $3.02. That class action lawsuit was totally worth it. Totally worth it. I got $3.02 off of my launch PS3 because they removed Linux. I guess the answer is no, and I don't think there will be a lawsuit. Serious advice, no. (laughs) Ah, All right. So uh, one thing I forgot to mention before that I want to touch on probably now is we had the script together and then the Zen 3, I'm sorry, uh, Zen 2 Threadripper information broke. So that's also out there. And I just did a video on it as I alluded to earlier. Um, Yeah, I mean, I'll sum that up in this podcast as well, just so it doesn't seem like we're ignoring it. But there wasn't that much info in there, I thought. There was just, it's coming out in November. uh, But Based on what I said in my video that I thought was interesting about Threadripper 3000, they're launching the 24-core first, okay, and they're delaying the 3950X at the same time. So, wait, what do you think that means, I guess? like I think that means they still don't want to give you 8-core chiplets. <laughs> right? Why would they do that at the same... They're not launching the 32-core at launch? Come on. And then they delay the 16-core AM4 chip. It's they. It's because, remember NetCant? They know. <laughs> they need every 8-core chiplet they can make for Epic right now. <laughs> and they aren't going to... I I have a hunch that the 3950X will actually get good yields. I, I do. I think they also probably delayed it because they want to actually give it Threadripper yields because it will be the hallmark. I think it will actually overclock a little better than the other ones. I mean, if you look at the 3700X and the 3800X, there's like garbage efficiency for what they should be compared mm-hmm. to Epic. And it's simply because they're not, I, I heard people say that, is it second tier yields? I'm like, it's not even third. I think it's fourth tier <laughs> yields are going to the eight core chiplets right now, but they had to launch with eight core chiplets and it's cheaper for them to put one eight core in an AM4 thing than two quad cores, I was, I'm guessing is why they did that. Also, it gets lower latency, I guess, in some games. So that's why they do that. But uh, yeah, I I think for sure the reason they're doing this is they just don't want to give you any, any, any (laughs) eight-core chiplets for the time being because they need everything for their massive epic orders. I guess the other option would be manufacturing issues, but... I guess, right? I don't know what it would be, but I suppose that could happen. Um, (laughs) What I would also say is they said it's gaming-focused first, so what that tells me is they're probably going to launch with a 24-core, a 16-core, and I don't know what the 
prices will be, but I bet they're going to be clocked faster. And I think this 16 core, it's very clear they're using four chiplets instead of two for Threadripper. And so yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if they used four times four and they were just the best quad core yields they had. And then they <laughs> clocked them up to, you know, it got to 4.8 gigahertz. That's what I've been thinking. I know the uh, 3950X goes to 4.7. I'm like, I bet there's a Threadripper one that's 16 cores, but it goes like 4.8. And has a higher base clock. And then it has, you know, like a 200-watt TDP. <laughs> and then they have the 24-core that will probably also be clocked better than the 3900X. Okay, yeah. So that's the summary of Threadripper 3 for anyone who didn't hear about what's going on there. Uh, I, and I have come to the conclusion, by the way, based on this information, that, uh, yeah, I think no matter what I'm getting, I'm just going to upgrade Thanksgiving or Christmas. And we'll see what it is. I'll decide which platform, you know, when I decide. But now that this will have been out by November, um, so I guess probably Christmas then, if I'm being honest, and just give it time for the bugs to get worked out. Because me and you have talked about this before offline, Dan. It's really not about pricing anymore. It's about when will I have a week (laughs) to build this and make sure it works. I mean... I, I I don't know about you, but I'm usually like leaving work at 6.30 every night and I'm just dead on the weekend. My, my, my schedule is I work from like 8.30 to 4 or 5 and then I do videos for another 4 or 5 <laughs> hours. And then I also work for this channel exclusively for like a 6-hour day on the weekend. And then I take a day off a month to also focus on this channel if I think I'm falling behind. <laughs> so yeah, I'm basically working two jobs. And I know you're really you're really in demand in your lab. We're all in demand in my lab. <laughs> we are all treasured people at Dan's lab. Uh, but let's, that brings us to number six. So do you see the uh, Samsung and Gigabyte PCIe 4.0 SSDs? I mean, yeah, it's... Those are nice big numbers. <laughs> that, yeah, that that's how I know I'm gonna upgrade. It's like I this is what I'm waiting for: competition and the best PCIe 4.0 SSDs to come out because I'm not getting something slower than the PCI um, than the PS5's drive. The PS5 will have at least 3.5 gigabytes per second. It would not surprise me if it had five. And so I want my drive faster. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I want to. Um... I want load times to be a thing of the past on my console and on my PC when I when I get the PS5, whenever that happens. Yeah, so I think it's worth waiting. And just so everyone knows, Samsung announced, well, I'll cover Gigabyte first. Gigabyte announced, it's about the size of an RX 5700 as far as I can tell. <laughs> and it's a P, it's literally a PCI Time 16 drive. And I think it needs a six pin. And it has 15 gigabytes per second of bandwidth. I mean, that's approaching a graphics card. Yeah. Like yeah. a really weak one, but. Yeah, I mean, that's just at the point where, like, yeah, downloading things, it's, or I, I don't know. I imagine just, that's getting to the point where I imagine almost limitations elsewhere are just going to s- slow the drive down. But. <laughs> yeah, and Samsung's got a smaller standard, you know, NVMe drive that I have my eye on big time, depending on the price, although I assume will be expensive. But it might be worth it for the data redundancy. The way it works, it's eight gigabytes per second. It's just one NVMe drive. And 
it uh it quarantines areas it knows are dying before they die and moves the data to another cell. So they say it's a drive that should never die, and it has extra data redundancy features built into it. And it's lightning fast, just lightning fast. <laughs> yeah, eight gigabytes per second read write. Um, I guess my question would be is how much redundancy does it have in the drive? Or did they say that at all, or is it just uh, enough to quarantine off, that quarantine off dead segments won't limit your space significantly? Unless you're using this thing for like 10 years or 20. Well, yeah. And they they also said that it shouldn't just have this happen though, right? Like this isn't something I've had to deal with with any of my SSDs. They all still work fine after years. But they said the way you can write, I think they said you can write to it two or three times a day for five years and it shouldn't have a failure of any part of it. Oh, okay. <laughs> so they said this is the drive that never dies. <laughs> so I'm sure it's expensive, but I would consider it for my OS drive just for, you know, editing and just this is the drive that I, my PC will never break. And if I want my PC to last forever, I don't know. I think this makes a lot of sense. Of course, again, I'm sure it's going to be super, you know, it's again, though, it's like, I don't know how you can consider Intel anymore. If you want to make a God tier rig or whatever stupid stuff, it's like you put all this art, art, it's like you're missing out on so much performance that you can't even get any more on Intel. Yeah. <laughs> you probably don't have any more to add to that. No, I don't. <laughs> all right. Number seven. So the MS Surface, uh, the next one, which I guess supposedly comes out at the end of this year, uh, may utilize Zen. Didn't say which Zen but it may utilize it. I think that's actually a huge deal. I mean, yeah, it's a pretty big, I, I don't, I guess I don't know how many, how much Microsoft sells, but that's a big, uh, that's a big get for AMD having a, one of the big uh, computer laptop manufacturers now uh, potentially using their stuff. Well, that's a flagship one too. This is like, if you got into the, the best NV from HP and Apple, you know, this is what AMD needs to get into. One of those flagship, flagship devices that tons of people buy and cost a ton of money because this is just a vote of confidence from one of the big players. Like, and I don't know if it'll be Zen 2 or not. I still think it's probably Zen Plus, guys. What I put here in the notes is I really hope they build it around AMD because the problem I saw is, and this really annoyed me in the article, we assume it's the 15-watt model instead of the 25-watt model because Intel's are 15-watt. And I looked it up, the 15-watt Intel i7 Surface Books that they were talking about for the 15-inch model. They also come with like a GTX 1050. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that's not how this works. And, and this will use an APU. <laughs> I assume so, right? I assume yeah. it's not also going to use NVIDIA, which maybe it would, though. That has happened. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, and it's like, no, what, they need to build one of their Surface models completely around Zen, use the 25-watt model, and give it double the battery life of what it had last gen and give it a roughly the same performance. Doing that will just get AMD so much mindshare in laptops if they are just in the best, longest lasting laptop. But I really worry that all they're going to do is take the 1050 laptop and shove it in there, not give it more <laughs> battery life and say it's $100 cheaper because that's what keeps happening. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I guess that might be one of the options they do. But are, are the... Uh... Are the Surface laptops, are they generally pretty um, premium laptops, though? They at least seem to be. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. They're expensive, really high-end, usually. 
Uh, at least the yeah the Surface laptops are, and that's what this is. Yeah. But yeah, let's hope they uh, actually do it correctly. Uh, <laughs> moving on to number eight, Bobcat Jaguar replacement coming. I don't know how much I have to add to this, except that I made a video about this a month ago <laughs> telling you guys this is coming from some a source. Uh, and that, yeah, um, the, the problem I have with this Tech Power Up article is, again, it's always the analysis. Like, they report a leak, and then they're just like, so it's probably a dual core. <laughs> And I'm like, I don't know, maybe, maybe it is, but... Because why would they at all innovate on that? Jaguar, <laughs> Jaguars had four, four cores. <laughs> yeah, so this is probably just a dual core then. It's not like they're going to innovate on their previous specs or anything. It's just, this is the laziness in quote-unquote, and I'm rolling my eyes and making giant quotation marks, as Dan can see. <laughs> and it's just like, this is tech journalism? Come on. They're like, it's because the chips will be smaller and it's a monolithic die, so they'll probably make it a dual core to make up for no I.O. die. I'm like, what? Those eight, seven nanometer eight core chiplets take up like 70 millimeters squared. Even a monolithic version takes up, you know, would take up like 100. They could make a six core one that's monolithic and it would still be only a little, like 80 millimeters squared is still pretty damn small, people. <laughs> like, my God, that's still half the size of like an i7. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I will say is, uh, well, actually, let me double check the source here. Let's see. It says, AMD is expected to bring back low power of a Dolly Value Mobile APU. See, this is, again, laziness in tech journalism here. If I look at what they're, yeah, they say, so it'll be seven nanometer. I'm not sure it's seven nanometer. I've talked about this over and over. I think it's probably using 12 nanometer non-finfetic global foundries. Oh, you think this might be the... Um... The one I've been waiting for? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know what to... Well, that's what it says in their leaked PowerPoint. It says uh, value mobile. So why would they not use... Because again, the yeah. 12 nanometer FDX, non-finfet, this is quote-unquote real, even though the real one at Intel isn't even real. 14 nanometer guys, come on. Um Nothing's real anymore. It's just all marketing well, terms, even at Intel. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think we've had real nodes since like ninety nanometer or I, something. I've I, I mean, I was looking back at on it like a few weeks ago, and I think it's been like, it's been like what fifteen years since nodes were quote unquote real. Maybe even before that. <laughs> well, yeah, and that's the thing is that that was back then. It was still most people were already lying, and there was like a <laughs> too few holdouts. It's like because that means every single part of it is fourteen nanometer. There's one part that's not, or I mean, but uh, yeah. So uh, that's what I think they would use because again, just as a refresher for those who haven't listened to this, the twelve nanometer FDX has almost the same efficiency gain over 14 nanometer FinFET that the seven nanometer at TSMC gets, or it's like 80% the efficiency gain. And it the density gain isn't as good, but if you're just going to make a quad core or a six core monolithic die and you strip out some of the cash and some of the other stuff to save die space, just like Jaguar did, you know, you retain most of the IPC, but you make it, you know, 30% smaller or half as big. That's what this is going to be. I think that's a prime candidate for Global Foundry so they can just spit these out. <laughs> on a super mature node. Yeah, and I also reported on um, in one of my recent videos that in a presentation, AMD talked about how Zen 2, like 50% of it's 7 nanometer or something. I don't remember. I'm probably misquoting. But like I remember it was like at least 30% or something 
of the advancement of Zen 2 was all architecture changes. Uh, not not anything to do with the IO die or 7 nanometer. So a monolithic version would still have, you know, probably the same, it would still be 30% better than Zen Plus instead of twice as good. Yeah. So I could easily see them making a monolith. I just hope they make a monolithic one that's six cores. <laughs> In fact, what would they should probably do is save as much space as possible, maybe remove hyper-threading and just make it eight cores just a tiny little like 15 watt, 10 watt, 8 core that's on 12 nanometer. <laughs> In fact, that would probably blow away half of what Intel has now. <laughs> as long as the IPC is even close. Yeah. It'd be good enough too. I mean, Jaguar already felt like, remember using that? Like Jaguar already felt like a CPU. Yeah. It was close enough, I thought. All right. Uh, number nine, Navi 14 is supposedly coming in October. And I saw Navi 12 as well. But yeah, this is the 5600 and 5500 series. Um, I mean, that doesn't surprise me. This is probably a good time to release them. I, I guess I don't, I, I, I guess I don't know the mentality behind the order in which they release things, but <laughs> yeah, I, um, I always said, it's like, when is the 5600 coming out? And I said, when they want it to. <laughs> like, I'm sure it's design complete. I'm sure they could spit them out literally now if they want to. They're already making a bigger die. It's just, they want to clear some of that uh, 570 stock. And reading the WCCF article here, I saw they... Uh, so, didn't they say, like, it's repl replacing the aging uh, stocks or something? Yeah, and they said it's going to be hard to get the prices to be as competitive. And I was like, let's see. And I went to Newegg today and looked. Yeah, you can get a 570 for 120 still. <laughs> yeah. And this is what I've said to people. Oh, um, in my Threadripper video from, to, from when we're recording this, which is Friday, for those who don't know, last Friday, if you're listening, uh, unless you're Gerard, who's our editor, I guess. He's, he gets it before you guys. A little inside sports look this yeah, is recorded go. inside baseball this is what the people want us talking about our schedules inside uh, baseball stop. Okay. <laughs> stop 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 it's a h3 h3 reference people um but yeah i he said uh here you're talking about cheap 24 cores coming out and i just want a 250 dollar uh, good price performance GPU from AMD. And I said, I've heard of this thing called a Vega 56. <laughs> hey. And then, and at the same time, someone had already typed, yeah, it's called Vega 56. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like, this is like, cause this is what I've always said is that, uh, I don't think I get Vega 64 anymore around Navi, but Vega 56, if it's below 250, especially around 200, sometimes on eBay. And then Polaris at 120 new or $80 on eBay. <laughs> Um, although I think on eBay, those have moved up to more like 90 to a hundred. Um, I mean, you're not going to beat that price performance. You're just not going to. So just buy Vega. It's not going to age bad. Just buy Vega if that's what you want. However, this will probably be, you know, double the efficiency for around the same price as Vega 56. And I don't know if they're going to have another cut down version of Navi 10. I kept saying I think they will because they barely cut it down at all. But I don't know. It occurred to me recently, Radeon 7 is cut down, right? It's a Vega 60 instead of a Vega 64. So yeah. if they're only cutting down Radeon 7 by that little, maybe the way the 7 nanometer process works is there's just a small defect. And, and someone else mentioned this to me too, actually. I think it may have been 
I don't remember who it was. It was either Dort or Cortex. He said, you know, you might need to consider that the seven nanometer process is so expensive that it's not worth even selling a highly disabled die. Hmm. Because why would you bother? Just throw it out. No one's going to buy your, it's your, the cost of the entire wafer divided by it. If you can't sell that for, you know, $300. Yeah. Which I, which I doubt is actually true. But it might be a combination of both where the amount of highly defective dyes that are salvageable are like really low. Yeah. And then also they're like, what's the point of us cutting it in half or something? (laughs) Just buy a Vegas 56 is what they're probably saying. (laughs) So I don't know if there will be a more cut down Navi 10. I think there's room for it. I definitely think there is. And I would be, I will say this though, I would still be surprised if they didn't release some highly cut down Navi 10 in China or something. Yeah. I mean, who knows what, They'll do with Navi 10. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and I do expect Navi 14 to be three-fourths as strong as like a 5700 at least. Mm-hmm. So I think that means you're looking at a hair below Vega 56 for 250, somewhere around there. And it'll probably be half the energy usage of Vega 56. I think it's still going to be 256-bit. A <laughs> lot of all rumors point to them making multiple 256-bit dies. So I guess if you're looking at getting a decent price for a GPU, you can get a Vega 56 now, but... <laughs> this is probably going to be better. They won't release a product at a dumb price. They made sure Navi was slightly better if you waited. But uh, I, I still mean, think, you know, Polaris is... I mean, I, re- I remember one of the early pieces of advice I got at in, uh, PC gaming was, buy the last gen. Well, it's, they're not going to release something for a stupid price in their new model. <laughs> and yeah. that's been consistently true over time. Yeah, <laughs> I don't agree with people that say buy the last gen. I mean, sometimes you buy the last gen, sometimes you don't. But as a rule of thumb, I think you'll be wrong. Like you, like when the 7950 came out, really? You want to buy a 6970 instead? I don't think oh, yeah. so. <laughs> the, yeah, it's true sometimes, but it's certainly not a rule of thumb. <laughs> it's like, well, and I'd see people go, well, the 6950 is, you know, $250 and the 7950 is uh 400 Like, yeah, it's twice as better. strong. <laughs> it has more it's a lot better. <laughs> like, Yeah, it's significantly more powerful, dude. I don't know to, <laughs> and it uses the same energy. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> All right, number 10. PS5 Pro launching at the same time as the PS5 base model. I'm one of the main reasons I'm bringing this up, if I'm being honest, is the fact that I fucking called this in a video <laughs> a few months ago that I said, I feel like there's a good chance to launch both at the same time. I have no evidence, but that's what my gut's telling me they're going to do. <sighs> Which, I don't know. I feel like it's an might be a weird call, but I guess based on how different the two models are, it might work out fine. Because it, it does look like what, so this is predicting like a discless, pretty cut down version of the Great. better model. So here was the thought process I had a few months ago. It was basically, I saw the leaked specs for the PS5, and it was like 320-bit, 20 gigabytes of RAM. A, just a, I don't, I've never been able to confirm the amount of stream processors. But I mean, leaks, the leaks coming out aren't getting worse. They're getting better. At like I saw a leak recently that they have dev kits that run at 1.8 gigahertz, and... Like, which is probably just they're using a 5700 XT, if I had to guess. It's like, that's something I think people don't get. They're like, well, the dev kit has eight gigabytes of RAM. It's like, you understand the dev kit's usually just a PC or something, right? So it probably just has a 5700 XT with six. What they probably did is put the fastest GDR6 
and then 16 gig of, they made a faster GDR6 16 gigabyte 5700 XT, and then that's the dev kit, probably. Yeah, I mean, because 1.8 gigahertz, does that sound a bit low for what you think the PS5 could be, or do you think they'll continue the to be low? For the graphics card. Oh, well, okay. Never mind. Never mind. That makes a lot of more sense. Then. Sorry. <laughs> I, I was thinking CPU for some reason. But um, uh, everything I hear is that it's getting more performance over time in its design, not less. So I don't know what it's going to ramp up to, but I remember the initial leaks were like, Radeon 7 rivaling at least. And I'm like, if that, if it's an RDNA version of like a Radeon 7, even if it's heavily cut down, I'm like, what would the pro version be in a few years? <laughs> and, then, <laughs> uh, and then it occurred to me that there were two dueling rumors going on. There were two sources. One source said that it was 256 bit and one said 320 bit. And there was a lot more information about the 320 bit model. And I was just like, well, it's probably both. Like, why is that such a hard concept? And I think that's smart. Yeah, and they'll probably lead with the uh, not cut down version. So maybe that makes sense. Why we're hearing more about the hearing more leaks about what the potential PS4 Pro, PS5 Pro could be. Well, and there's another thing too. I think people aren't considering. I think if we were to go back in time a year, everyone thought the PS5 for sure is going to use a few Zen 2 chiplets and maybe a Navi chiplet. I remember Adored had a lot of videos talking about the idea of a Navi chiplet with an IO dive can talk to both the CPU and the graphics card, which is a great idea. But all of the information I've seen suggests it could be another monolithic die, or at least that the graphics card will be monolithic completely. So just another mm -hmm. monolithic die for the graphics card. And what that would suggest to me is, well, it's on 7 nanometer. They might not have the best yield, so it makes sense that they would make a cut-down version of the PS5. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, maybe. Just because it's a just because it's a custom graphics card doesn't mean it has to use chiplets. They can, you know, that what what the Xbox One X uses right now is a, uh, it's I believe it's actually a three thousand seventy two stream processor Polaris chip that's cut down to twenty eight hundred cores, and they just always disable one CU or some a couple CUs or something, right? Mm -hmm. I guess it's four CUs, I think. Yeah. Uh, to yeah. Uh, make sure they get 100% yields. So I think it makes sense. I think it would make sense to use the fastest GDR6 the on over a 320-bit bus for a monolithic graphics card. <laughs> and, and it's just their own. And again, people who are like, why 320? Why not? They could make it anything at a multiple of 64. There's no reason because 320 is cheaper to make than 384. <laughs> like there, there's your answer. And so 320-bit monolithic graphics card with the fastest GDR6. I'm talking 2 gigabit per second or 1.8. Actually, I've heard suggestions it could be like 2.4 or 2.2 gigabit, which is 50% faster than the fastest stuff in cards right now. <laughs> and, like, and then over a 320-bit bus, just a mammoth amount of bandwidth. I think I was 800 gigabytes per second, and then yeah. which is insane. But that makes sense. And in fact, Paul at Non-Apple Fan did a test where he found that the amount of CUs in Radeon 7 don't get bottlenecked until about 800 gigabytes per second if he underclocked it. <laughs> so again, like you got to look at the information and like align the stars here, people. I think that's what they've decided. I think, not confirmed, but I think that's what they've decided. And I don't know how many CUs. I think between oh. 48 and 64, which... You yeah, know. And, and 
I mean, at, at this stage in development, it's probably getting close to where I think they are finalizing what the hardware is going to be. But yeah, it's not finalized yet. I wouldn't think it is at least because what I would guess the unveil of it is probably what, like five to six months away. Um, it could be a PlayStation experience, although didn't we hear that that's not happening this year again? Or is it? That's usually <sighs> I, in December. I, I don't remember. Because I thought for sure they would reveal it at PlayStation experience. But um, if they're not, you know, then maybe they'll just do a custom release during January like before. Or is it February? Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I would think that I, I feel like a holiday re- unveil of a new console for like September or October seems a little weird though. No, December. Like, at, like, oh, it's already done. Like they do it before <laughs> New Year's and they're like, gotcha, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> you just bought your PS4 Pro and we're announcing the PS5. I don't think, yeah, I think you're right though. I, I think that would still be pretty shady. Not, not shady, but uh, that's an NVIDIA term. I think that would be pretty, uh, it'd still, it'd be crappy if they did that. I agree. It makes sense that they just reveal this next year in like February. Yeah, that's what I think will happen. And at the same time, they reveal, oh, the PS4 Pro is 300. The PS4S is 200. (laughs) And so anyways, going back to the overall point, I really think this makes so much sense. I've looked at the bill materials before. I haven't made the series yet, but just wait, people. In a month or so, I'll do like a three-part series on next, three to four-part series, actually, on next gen. And I just, I delayed it because it's like, there's so much hardware coming out with NVIDIA and AMD right now and Intel. I just, I don't get why I would bother talking about next gen until, you know, like I yeah. think I'll, I'll make this probably in a month or two. And there's yeah. doing this right, that right now, I would imagine there's still some, a decent amount of like tea leave reading where it's not a lot's not still pretty unsure with the new tech. Yeah, and for those that want to read tea leaves, I mean, I did a bunch of next-gen console videos four <laughs> months ago. It was my earliest videos, so, and, well, the sound quality isn't perfect. You can hear me, and, it, and, and the information's all very good. Uh, I, my opinion hasn't really changed too much from them. If anything, it's little tweaks here and there. Watch those videos to get a gist of what's going on. Xbox is trying out multiple different things, and PlayStation is going in a very traditional route, but they're going for high performance. Again, so bringing it back around, though, to the point. Yeah, yes. <laughs> it's all right. Uh, I think um, I think what Sony is planning on doing is, and I, and I filled out the bill materials in one of those videos, I think they could for $500 and take a $100 loss at most. Probably not even that. Probably a $50 loss, honestly. And if they wanted to, they could sell this for more than 500 I think. I think they could sell it for 5 I mean, it's NVIDIA. NVIDIA created this market. If they wanted to, what I'm about to describe, I think they could sell it for... I think what I would sell it for is 529 Yeah. <laughs> I don't think they... Dan sees I have the biggest, like, swarmy smile. Like, because I, I work in sales, so I'm like, 529 <laughs> People I, would still think of that as 500 I, I still feel like... I feel like Sony won't go above 500 maybe i'm wrong i feel like there's just some i, I think i agree but i feel I like there's I would PTSD. Do it at 529 i think there's like a corporate ptsd because of the initial ps3 release well yeah and <laughs> let me address that because i've seen other tech tubers that i talk to a lot and just a lot of people say oh if these specs are true um you know it'll be 700 dollars guys there's no world 
where Sony makes this more than 580. No, and, 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 and that's still too close. There's no world where it's above 550. And I feel like a lot of that assumption is kind of lying on, like, I feel like we've said this. The same stuff we hear every gen of how the PS4 is going to be 600 and the Vita is going to be 500. I feel like we've said this 30 fucking times in this podcast already, but like everything's a moving target. The the space is different, will be different in a year from what it will be right now. Yields will be better. Yeah, like GDR6 will be half the price. Yeah, so maybe if Sony was making this thing right now, it would be seven hundred dollars. But next year it might be six hundred or five fifty. And it's not uncommon <laughs> to sell a console at a loss, at least initially. It's like all of them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't want to count the PS three sixty gen because Microsoft and Sony were in a war of attrition there. But, yeah, true. But it's standard to take a 10 to 20 percent loss usually 10 percent is actually expected i think the ps4 is about a 10 percent loss maybe five percent uh that was built in times of struggle though that was designed around that the the great recession so that's why they made it such a budget-friendly device and i think it was very powerful for the price actually (laughs) like we're we're lucky it wasn't weaker well yeah and it's just i don't know a console is a loss leader because they're expecting you to like, what is the attach rate? Like uh, 20 games, probably like they expect the yeah. average person to make. Yeah. I counted mine. I think even me who mostly games on PC, I'll end up buying at least 20. I mean, I'm pretty sure I've over bought 10 bought, years or something, right? Like, pretty sure I bought over 20 games on the PS4. I'm not, don't quote me on that. I would need to look and uh, check, but <laughs> yeah. And so, I guess the and this is something uh, Colin Moriarty on Sacred Symbols, which I'll plug it. I think that's a great podcast. Brought up, I think it was an interesting point that I've never heard anyone else bring up, which was if it's a discless console, they should almost be giving it to you for free, shouldn't they? Because <laughs> like you have to download their stuff. Yeah, um, and it's an interesting point. That forty percent cut they take, they will get out of every game you buy for the entire gen. Yeah, I mean, that's true, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I've ne- you've never thought about that, right? It's like, it's like that's an interesting point Colin raised. Um, and, and so, anyways, again, bringing it back around as I keep clinging to try to get back to the main point. Yes. <laughs> the summary is this. I always thought there'd be two models because the PS5 sounded super powerful. So powerful that I was like, honestly, in three years, even if they... <laughs> <laughs> and they're not going to do this. Even if they launched like a HBM powered version that was ultra powerful, it would still probably only be twice as strong. And the PS5, PS4 Pro is over twice as strong as the base PS4. The Xbox One X is not <laughs> fair because the original yeah, Xbox ridiculously is ridiculously stronger. <laughs> you know, the original <laughs> Xbox is a box of shit. So, like, it's like, oh, here's this uh, GTX. <laughs> <laughs> DDR3 graphics card. Um, but yeah, so like it's like uh, six times stronger. You know, like you want at least, I'd say two to three times, I'd say three times stronger. And I guess the PS4 Pro is FP16 and stuff too. So it's like three times stronger. And that's why you have, I guess, what are they? They usually have 1600, 1440p to 1600p games running at higher frame rates than a 1080p 30 game, sometimes 900p game. And yeah, that's like three times better. 
So that's kind of the standard. You don't want to launch a pro model in a few years that's 50% stronger. <laughs> and they have a price cap. They can't make a $1,000 console in a few years. People expect things to get cheaper over time in the console space. So I, that's I why am, I went, Yeah, I feel like 500 I feel like $500 is the cap for a console. 5 550 is I feel like is the cap for consoles, but who knows. Yeah, and, and here's the thing too. Um Sony knows that six nanometer die shrinks are coming uh, next year, and frankly, <laughs> and that five nanometer will be here by 2021. It kind of makes sense to make two models right away. And again, here we go. I'm attempting it. Here comes the summary of this point. I think what Sony's going to do is a 320 bit, if I had to guess, and I'm guessing right, 60 CU model. I've seen a lot of numbers thrown at me over the past four <laughs> months. That's why I'm delaying that series. because I want to wait for the numbers to be consistent between sources. A 60 CU 320-bit custom model that will have its own ray tracing chip that I think will make Turing look like a joke. And what this will have is the fastest GDR6, which is always a good bet in a console because GDR gets cheaper over time rapidly. So it's good to be a loss leader at first and then become cheaper to make over time. <laughs> And I think the, I don't know, I, I think the PS5 Pro will have two terabytes of NVMe storage. And then they'll have an eight core, 3.2 gigahertz, um, at least 3.2 gigahertz, actually. And so what that means is that will easily, easily do ray traced 4K60 HDR, I think. Now, the ray tracing is still kind of up in the air. I think that's kind of something Sony added in the last year and a half. That wasn't something there at the start. But they added it, as far as I'm aware. And I've heard it's more custom than usual. So they like want something where Naughty Dog or Guerrilla Games can, like, in six months, in a reveal of the PS5, show Horizon 2 fully ray... Not fully ray-traced, of course. <laughs> but, like, you know, ray-traced to a level that looks insane. And they're like, by the way, this is running 4K60 with no hitches. Um but I think that's what they'll do, and that'll be $500. And that'll come with a 4K Blu-ray player, and it will load games instantly. And then what they'll do is, let's do the math right now, right? We're in a, like, we have the time. We're on a podcast. Everyone wants more time or something. So <laughs> uh, the diskless model, so remove like $40 right there. So, And, and let's, let's, I'm just going to go for the, the, the selling price. They're selling it at a loss. Let's just take it $500. They're selling this model that's really strong for $500. Remove $40. Now we're at $460. No disc player. Okay. One terabyte NVMe instead of two. Oh, all right. Well, we probably remove another 30. Okay. Which they're actually not that expensive anymore. Uh, so now we're down to like 430. Okay. And then what do they do? I think what they'll do is 256-bit GDR6 that's slow, a little slower. And so, boom. I think GDR6 is like $5 each. Move another 20 all right, now we're down to $420 per unit. All right, and now we're using cut-down dies, so they're willing to do this so that they can use all of their yields. That makes up for that other $20 right there, <laughs> at least. And in fact, I bet they remove a couple other ports. They make it smaller because it will be more cut-down, because there's less stuff in it. It will require less cooling. We're now down to about 390 What's my point? The point I'm getting to is they still have that four gigabytes of DDR4 
4 in the background for background tasks with an ARM processor. Everyone doesn't know this. The PS4 is a background ARM processor. That's why it also has that advantage. And the PS5 also is rumored to have a more powerful ARM processor with 4 gigabytes of DDR4. So all background which, tasks, all apps are run in the background. Which, yeah, I mean, that background processor, I think, is almost a definite. Just yeah. I think that's going it's to become the standard. It's, it actually still blows my mind the Xbox One X didn't do that. But yeah, um, I mean, it was brilliant. It's probably yeah, for consistency. On. That's probably yeah. why I did that. But so, what are we talking about overall? We're talking about a $500 4K60 HDR gaming uh, console with two terabytes of storage. And then they remove as much stuff as they can, including the disc. And so, it'll probably cut down compute by like 40%. It'll probably cut down bandwidth by like, you know, another 40% as well. And what they'll do is they'll market this. As if you don't have a 4K TV yet, this is fine. This will run 1080p 60 with crazy anti-aliasing fine. This will run 1440p. If you get a 4K TV, this so when you put it in uh, resolution mode, it'll run 1440p 60 instead of 4K 60. And you know what? Uh, it has all of the HDR streaming and all of that stuff you want for Netflix. And uh, you can use PS Now. It's a PS Now streaming device. It's basically for people who don't want the best and don't need the best. And there's a lot of people still using 1080p TVs. And that's why I think, and I'm saying this, I think the lower end version, if Sony wanted to murder next gen, could be less than 400. I could see 350 or 380. I feel like if they're releasing a severely cut down version of the PS5, I feel like it would almost have to be below 400, assuming the price of the Pro is 500. Because... You see these cut down models all the time. Like that that was the PS three sixty era was they had the premium version and they had the low price version. And essentially mostly the only difference was like a worse hard drive. <laughs> so I feel like people would be pissed off if they didn't it was four hundred dollars and a severely cut down version. So I feel like the low price version might be just three fifty or something. Yeah, if this is all true, like what's going to happen? <laughs> yeah, and um, and if we look at uh, like again, I think what Colin said is such a good point. They know they're locking you into only buying downloadable games. Which to be, I guess I'll give Sony this. Uh, there's Sony summer sales now that seem to be almost as good as Steam sales. So there's that. I'm not saying it's all bad. I'm just saying they are get assured. You're not getting any used games, which I bought some used games, uh, this gem. And so they're sure they're going to make up that money. They're sure. So they, it makes sense for them to sell for $350. And that's just perfect. You know, PS4S, $200. PS4 Pro, $280, $300. And then mm -hmm. PS4, PS5S, uh, $350. And then PS5 Pro, $500. I think that just makes sense. I honestly do. And I think if I were to organize the release, like the presentation, they open with like Horizon 2, Ray Traced, 4K60. And they're like, that was on the PS5 Pro. And then they show the price. And they're just like, this games as well as a 2080 Ti. This is everything you've ever wanted in a dream PC. It's not 600 it's $500. And you can play your 4K Blu-rays. <laughs> and then they bring in another dev. You know, who knows who they bring in, right? Probably some Battlefield 6 dev or something. And he comes in and shows a demo. And it still looks gorgeous. And they're like, and this was running... On the PS5 Slim, this doesn't have a disc player, but most people we found are downloading games now. And then they showed the $350 price and dropped the mic. Yeah. And I think that's what they're going to do. 
Um, and if they don't, uh, then I'm smarter than Sony. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's what I'm saying. No, no, no. But I, and, and I think they'll have the same processor and I think they'll run at the same clock speeds probably. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, and if they could even get away with maybe a slight, no, I think they'll probably just use the same CPUs, maybe slightly less on the PS5 base. In fact, I just thought of this. I know the PS4's DRM is it has to run at 1.6 gigahertz or a multiple of it. So it wouldn't surprise me if they have 3.2 gigahertz on the PS5 Pro and then they clock the PS5 slim slower, but it doesn't have a disc player. So they say it's not backwards compatible. <laughs> and that's another way they lock you into whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I didn't realize they were still attaching things to clock speed. <laughs> hey, no, I think that's hilarious. Not, you know, no, it's on purpose though. In that case, because you can't hack the clock speed. That's <laughs> that's true. And that's what I've heard is people running uh, PS3 emulators. You basically have to clock your graphics card at the same speed as the PS3 for the graphics. <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's like, guys, you're never going to get that to work. I just really hope it's PS3 backwards compatibility. Yeah. Because I'll get the Pro, and I will put Demon Souls in. Play it in 4K. Uh -huh. Back to referencing uh, sacred symbols. It's just, it would be insane if the PS3 generation were just stranded on the PS3. <laughs> like there was They'll do something access. eventually. They will. <laughs> well, and like I, uh, I did, one of my first videos was also talking about that, like, Eventually, they're going to upgrade. They're literally still using cell CPUs. Cells. They're still using cell CPUs and servers for PS Now. <laughs> it's amazing. Eventually, they're going to upgrade to Epic, guys. And that's going to mean they're going to emulate it. <laughs> so if they can get it to emulate on an Epic server, they can get it to emulate on your console. Yeah. <laughs> now, if they choose to not do that, I don't know. Sony does dumb stuff. Yeah, they do every once in a while. And All right. Uh, I mean, a lot. <laughs> All right. So we have a reader mail question here. The ninth dude asks, at Moore's Law is Dead, given the recent leak from the Gears 5 developer uh, about Xbox Scarlet and dedicated ray tracing, I'm beginning to think that AMD's implementation of ray tracing is going to be dedicated adding card for that maybe we could get on desktop. Uh, part of why I'm thinking this is Navi's PCIe 4.0, but no cards can really tap into the maximum bandwidth. Could AMD be using the extra bandwidth to allow GPUs to talk to the RTU, ray tracing unit? What do you think? Well, um, what I would say is I don't think they're going to move towards adding cards. I don't think that's AMD's strategy. That's a NVIDIA strategy there. And uh, uh, I'll also just quickly add a failed strategy, I feel like. I, I, <laughs> but go on. To be clear, I wouldn't mind if there was a ray tracing card I could buy for $200 put it in my extra PCIe slot, and then I just get ray tracing. Yeah, that would be awesome. But I yeah, don't yeah. think there's, I don't know if that's how like supply chains work, how markets work. You can't put that in laptops. It's a problem for other customers. You know, we're a niche market, guys. Adding cards, I'm not sure how useful they are in the future. First of all, so that's the first part of your question. This was a great article, though, or at least, should I say, there were a lot of articles covering this about that Gears 5 dev. Um, he talks about it um, the way I think it was at PC Games N I think said the Gears 5 dev said uh, ray tracing is going to be awesome but not on PC <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> I just I don't have to tell you PC gamers. And again, guys, guys, I'm mostly a PC gamer. I'm 90% PC gaming. Right now I'm playing a lot of console just because there's like one period of every year where I just mostly play console for a few months for whatever reason. Yeah. And, you know, now I'm playing Infinite Warfare, which is, by the way, guys, $9 on Amazon. So (laughs) I don't know. That is some uh, financial advice we can give you. If you want to play Call of Duty for $9, you can. (laughs) Yeah, apparently. (laughs) And apparently on PS4 Pro, it's a lock like 4K60. I'm like, okay, (laughs) I'll just play it. It's awesome. And uh, that's one of the best looking games I've played, by the way. I got to say, I saw a reviewer. They were like, Infinite Warfare doesn't look like the other Call of Duty games. And I'm like, I agree. It looks like a good game. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, yeah, moving on though. I mean, Cortex talks about this. He thinks, and I think it's an interesting idea, that AMD can't just throw out their compute features. The thing they'll do is add a small chip, whether it's on a monolithic die or not, we don't know, um, but on package at least, that accelerates Ray's with leveraging asynchronous and compute functions. And I think that makes a lot of sense. That would allow ray tracing to be backwards compatible easily with RDNA and Vega because it's just using the same FP16 and stuff. That would actually allow the PS4 Pro to run ray tracing if they had a (laughs) cross-gen game. And they just have like a... Because they have FP16 on the PS4 Pro. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Actually, was basically Vega before Vega came out. Uh, (laughs) But I'll talk about that with a non-Apple fan, actually. But um, yeah, I mean, I think that's uh, what they're going to do. I don't know if it's on chip or not. I think they're going to accelerate the Giga Rays with a, a chip that's significantly more efficient because it's dedicated to doing that and not on a... Yeah, I think so I think it is going to be its own chip, probably. And what I've heard is the PS5 has its own ray tracing chip. So I assume that's what they're going to do. But I'm not sure. And they could have multiple ways they're doing this. The Xbox may do ray tracing in an entirely different way. I know they were looking into using uh, Zen 3 threads for ray tracing for a while, for a fact. So, again, there's a million ways to do ray tracing. But I think the way to do it in the interim is to try to add a small chip that can accelerate the compute features AMD already has. Because then you're not wasting resources as much. Does that make sense, Dan? I think so, maybe. I'm not 100% sure, honestly. Yeah. Just Well, I don't think it's an add-in card, though. I'll say that. Yeah, I, I, I'll say this. I, I really don't feel like add-in cards are going to be a big thing again. I don't know. You said this was a niche space when you started answering this question, and that's the problem is a lot of people that are into PC hardware the idea of having more things to customize is so, <laughs> so, so tantalizing. Yeah. And I'm excited by the prospect of it too. Boy, but it's just boys. like, but it's just like, no one wants this added customization except for this niche group of people that really fucking likes customizing their PCs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, let's move on. So, number 11, yeah. which with a heavy heart is the final piece of news i've decided <laughs> to tell you people you're not fucking worth 12 that's what i'm saying so number 11 turing ray tracing is going to die sooner than you think so this is based on a wccf article and a video i believe you watch it's my recent ray tracing article which i'm surprised i guess i'm not i think people are tired of talking about ray tracing which i also am but so i don't think the click rate is that great on the video but i think that might be my best video i don't know what it uh, uh, like, let me just ask you objectively, Dan. 
being self-conscious. Was that a good video? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you, anyone listening to this, if you haven't listened to my NVIDIA ray tracing in 2020 or what did I, I think I called it denoising the De-no- myth, yeah. denoising the myth of Turing ray tracing. I just, uh, the entire point of this story here, number 11, is that if you're buying Turing for future proofing, you're not getting it. Yeah. Yeah. That's how <laughs> now- I would sum it up. There's more than one way to skin a cat. Um, Turing isn't the only way you can do ray tracing. It's just they figured out they could attach this new function to cores that they were using for professional uses. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, the way I would put it is the ray tracing capabilities in Turing are fundamentally built for like graphic designers and video editors to add ray tracing to videos. And when you're editing a video, it only actually needs to run at 16 hertz. When you render it, it'll render it at 30 or 60. And so to do it in a fluid enough way to not be horribly annoying, you can do a full ray trace scene where you're editing a space for a video with CGI and it'll run at 16 to 30 frames. I think usually what I saw was about 22 or 24. And it's significantly better than previous graphics generations for ray tracing editing. But that's the problem is it's like, why are all these ray tracing games barely able to hold 30 frames a second? Yeah, because it's not built to run even to 30. It's built to run <laughs> 24. And they needed to find a way to tell you this dedicated hardware was for gaming because NVIDIA is a gaming company, except they desperately don't want to be a gaming company. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, I guess I don't know how much more I have to add to that. Like, yeah, they're they're trying to expand into all these different markets, and it's just not working that much for them. That's why we're seeing like they're also trying to add AI to their gaming cards, and that also surprisingly, sorry, I quote unquote, surprisingly doesn't work because what is AI going to do to help gaming? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so yeah, I guess I'll just try to do one big spiel on this. It's just Nvidia made an early grab for Mindshare when they saw they had an opportunity and they saw that ray tracing was probably the next big thing where people would decide to keep buying giant die graphics cards, which is Mm -hmm. NVIDIA's entire business model. Their entire business model is around convincing you to pay a lot of money for a gigantic graphics card that they can then cut down and sell to noobs for $200. That is their entire business model. And so they wanted to get ray tracing first so they would get credit for it. And so, hello, the people who buy this early and pay the most money are graphic designers and professional people and semi-professionals. So it doesn't need to run at 30 frames. But then they said they had to make it make sense. But here's the thing. The way it does ray tracing, and this is really the big point, is fundamentally different from how the consoles will do it, both of them, and fundamentally different from how RDNA 2.0 will do it. This is not the future of ray tracing. This is, as Cortex said, a flying car that flies for <laughs> five... This is the best analogy I've, I've ever heard for this. It's, a, it's like if, they, if NVIDIA was a car company and they said, here's a flying car and it has wings on it and it can fly. And then reviewers said, why would you buy a car that can't fly? But then it turned out NVIDIA's car can only fly for five seconds so that you know what? It's still going to crash if you go off a cliff and it's completely useless. But why would you buy that AMD car? It can't fly. Well, neither can the NVIDIA one in practice. And it's going to crash land next year when all standards are using different methods of ray tracing. 
all standards and people hate closed standards and and <laughs> closed ways of doing things and it gets so much worse because when I, I I was reached out to by a developer here and he says um well he hated the digital foundry video he said he's a game engine developer and he said that using Nvidia ray tracing is just as exotic as just using compute brute force through Radeon. It's not even a standard API right now. NVIDIA didn't release extensions for Vulkan. It's not compatible with whatever the standard will be. And using NVIDIA ray tracing extensions, it says there's an insane setup needed for this. And he knows it's going to be obsolete right away. It's not like you just flip a switch and use it. He says to use NVIDIA's ray tracing effectively, you would have to build an entire engine around it. The future of ray tracing is not going to be plugging in the holes in video left in their <laughs> architecture. And he goes on to say, it reminds him, ATI actually added tessellation in cards for the first time, but it was their own custom advanced version before there was an industry standard. And he said, if you coded for it directly, it was great, but it was nowhere near powerful enough in the first set of cards to be useful at all. And then NVIDIA made a standard and NVIDIA has had a tessellation advantage ever since. And I believe AMD will have a tessellation advantage. Uh, I'm sorry, a ray tracing advantage right when these consoles launch. They already have the dev kits. It's going to be horrible if you're buying. And here's the point I made too, right? Well, I guess, actually, let me get to a reader mail question here. So this one comes from Carbon Cry, which again, you can, it's actually a, he believes a um, correction or omission, which you can, again, if you support us on Patreon, you can supply yours. And he says, Minecraft, and I bring this up in the video, isn't a ray traced game yet. As far as he knows, NVIDIA's ray tracing for Minecraft isn't out, and we don't know how it will perform. And we had a big offline discussion about this where he uh, kind of accused me of omitting things on purpose, but I didn't. It, my entire point is that. So right now, the only way to run Minecraft ray tracing is with a mod. That's the only way you can do it. And his point was, well, you act like NVIDIA can't do this better than Vega, but they haven't even released their version yet. And I, well, I, that that's, well, go on. Well, yeah, I mean, I think it comes down to it. it it proves that ray tracing can be brute forced. I mean, I guess we'll see what happens when NVIDIA's version of ray tracing comes out for Minecraft. I guess we'll have to compare and contrast the differences and results, but Turing isn't the only way to do ray tracing, obviously. Then, <laughs> Which was my entire point. And I actually, re I don't know what to tell you, Carbon Cry. I rewatched uh, that part of the video and in it, I don't know if you remember, Dan, I said it's not using Tensor or RT cores right now. I said that in that part of the video, yes. and I said it will improve. So there's no emission carbon grind. There's no emission whatsoever. I didn't hide anything. What I focused on was my point, though. And my point is if you want ray tracing in Minecraft right now, it runs just as well on Radeon. <laughs> and that's what's so stupid. Even the 580 could run it at 30 frames and 5700 XT at 60. And I believe the 2080 Super could run it at 95 frames. So yeah, I could run it better. And I'm sure when it gets dedicated. And so here's the thing too. And the thing, one more thing I'll say to Carbon Cry is this. 
Uh, he told me he thought all these people are going to attack my video. Dude, no one's attacked my video. Everyone gets my <laughs> point. There was one person who did and was very respectful about it. And we talked back and forth on YouTube as well. And he said, and he said, you know, NVIDIA is going to release this. Uh, and then it's not fair to compare. He basically said the same thing you did, Carbon Cry. And I said, and this is something I didn't even know when I talked to you, Carbon Cry, is this. NVIDIA doesn't even have a release date <laughs> for this goddamn supposedly totally exists Minecraft with ray tracing. Which... And, and I say uh, that in a sarcastic way because I know of several devs who have just canceled their ray tracing plans and NVIDIA is still putting them on marketing ads. It's like Which, devs yeah. supporting them. Which, uh, I mean, yeah, you can see that, like why this would be the case because if NVIDIA version of ray tracing for these games ended up being worse than the brute force methods on AMD. That would be the, it would be so bad for PR. Like, I, <laughs> well, they it's not so worse. Stupid. It is better. It is better. Yeah. And, yeah. And, but I think there's, NVIDIA's marketing acts like it's, well, they show, right? They show, I remember when they unveiled Turing, they showed 1080 TIs or Titan Voltas or something stupid. And they showed that Pascal, was like a sixth as good at ray tracing as Turing. And it's like, well, I don't know what to tell you, NVIDIA. I have no doubt Turing is better at ray tracing if you use your method of doing it over even the best method of brute forcing with Vega's compute features. I do. But I think it's only a factor of two at most. Mm -hmm. At most, it's a factor of two. It's not a factor of six. And also, NVIDIA, I don't know what to tell you. Pascal isn't uh, very good at compute. <laughs> <laughs> So if you leverage Vega's best capabilities or even Polaris's, apparently, it can pretty much run it half as well as Turing. And maybe, you know, so, and you can just turn down settings. And so it's like, here's my point. AMD is the standard. And I think the way, I think the way RDNA 2.0 will do ray tracing will be kind of a hybrid of an entirely new system and leveraging what was already there in RDNA 1.0 in Vega. So with that in mind, right, I can see some levels of backwards compatibility that are way better than what's going on with Pascal. That's my point with this whole Vega thing is it's like the consoles are going to use it. So I bet it, I'm, I, I already know this, by the way. I've talked to people who work at these companies. Guys, I'm telling you the PS5 is going to ray trace like twice as good as a 2080 Ti or more. So please just stop this argument. <laughs> But with that in mind, if it's doing that, I think uh, there will be backwards compatibility. And instead, right, with that Battlefield 5 update for ray tracing for Pascal, <laughs> instead <laughs> of the game running at one-tenth the frame rate for uh, Turing, I think what will happen is Vega will run at a half the frame rate or a fourth the frame rate. And it might even still be a little playable. And it might even be close to what Turing's capable of. And that's my warning. My warning is, and this is my point, we don't know when Minecraft <laughs> ray tracing is coming out official, right? Yeah. We don't know when it's coming yeah. out. We just know it says TBD 2020. So you can't tell me it looks better. It's a demo. And that's my point. <laughs> All of NVIDIA's ray tracing are demos effectively. No one uses them. No one's playing Battlefield 5 competitively with ray tracing on. No one's using it in control and not chugging in their frame rates. Although they all tell me they're not the fanboys, man. Uh, but I've looked at the benchmarks. You guys aren't running it that well. Um, and so what's going to happen is you're essentially just beta testing 
NVIDIA's method, and it's not even running well. And I know you think all these games, like, again, the Minecraft point, no, no, no. By the time RTX Minecraft comes out, by the time that comes out, the PS5 will be out. And you'll have nothing to brag about. <laughs> like, it's just not future-proofing. It's not, people. Do not buy Turing for future-proofing. And I know it sounds contradictory with the way I talk about Radeon cards, but that's just not, it's not the same. It's not the industry standard. And even at its best, it can't even run Battlefield 5 well. Come on. <laughs> Do you have anything else to add, Dan? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's get to a couple more reader mail questions. Otterwise asks, why do you think Radeon Shield is so often overlooked? There's a lot of opportunity here, I think, to better market it to consumers despite lowering frame rates in direct opposition to how a GPU is normally. Is, it, is that why? Is it because it's not how you would normally market a GPU? You don't want to market lower frame rates? Do you have anything to say about that? With Radeon Chill, I would assume like there's some things that are just not <laughs> that make your game look worse overall, right? Like it. No. Have no. Okay. It? I I don't use it really now. Have you ever used it? No. <laughs> okay. Thank you. <laughs> there's a difference between really and no. There was a while where I used it a lot. No, Dan, it doesn't do anything bad. Okay. I mean, I I would assume there's some stuttering increase, but nope. It actually mm -hmm. lowers stuttering. Okay. <laughs> because it caches frames and actually has a latency reduction when you increase. Okay. Adore did a whole video on it. Okay. <laughs> so, you're, so you're a bad person. Yeah, I'm a bad person and I can't really speak much to Radeon Chill. <laughs> no, what I was going to say is otherwise, I mean, I agree. I've been, this is one of those hills I've been harping on all the time. That's what people do, right? They harp on hills. Yeah, they take their harp to the top of a hill. And they play their harp. That's what you mean, right? <laughs> An old Swedish tradition. <laughs> hey, write us in, Swedish people. That is a tradition, right? You take harps to hills and play them? Also, midsummer. Does that happen in Sweden? <laughs> Isn't that what you do, too? <laughs> ah, Okay, but no, otherwise, yeah, I, I think that this is something that's in AMD's court. It's Adored's done his whole thing where he's shown that it's clearly better if you use Radeon Chill with even an outdated AMD card within modern NVIDIA card, it's more efficient. This is the future. I think this is what they should be doing. Um, and they just need to make it so it works on every game. The problem is you have to turn it on manually. For some reason, with every game, and it doesn't work in every game, it needs to work at the BIOS level. There needs to be a BIOS switch that has a kind of a, shall we say, a Radeon Chill light so it barely reduces frame rate. But I think that alone could increase efficiency by 30% in that mode. And I think that would just kill the entire efficiency argument with NVIDIA. It would destroy them. I'm surprised they haven't yeah. done it yet. Maybe it's yeah, hard to, to do that. And to be clear, what I mean is, even if it's... I, I, I'm not trying to say, like... I'm not saying it's objectively worse. It's just... But there um, isn't, though. There's actually better frame times. <laughs> it, it's just marketing yeah it's just like what he said i think marketing lower frame rates looks bad even if you're uh, essentially you're just rendering frames at a lower rate when you don't need to be rendering frames i understand why you wouldn't do that <laughs> and they're it, probably it, scared someone will benchmark it in a review with the wrong bios on yeah and, and it gets into that thing like um 
like uh, tiling, like where they reduce resolution in areas where it doesn't matter. I mean, I, I feel like it's a similar concept to that where it's a good idea overall, but some of the early implementations of it might be a little clunky in some games. <laughs> It would be. That's why I think it just needs to be almost at the bi- at the BIOS level. They need to find a way so that it can tell what the frame cap is, whether it's through VSync or some manually set thing. And then it starts doing this thing where it reduces frame rates when there's no movements on screen or less movements. Yeah. And, and I think if they did that, uh, again, I think it would just, that's it. They now have the most efficient architecture <laughs> by a lot. And I don't know. I, I think they should, you know? All right. Yeah. Last. Reader mail question. Guitar Guy 5 asks, do you think we'll see upgradable GPUs with DIMM slots or onboard NVMe anytime soon? I talked to you about this a little bit before we did this, Dan. I mean, there's already that professional Radeon card that has an NVMe SSD built onto it as like this super low latency cache. Yeah, so we said that. Uh, so onboard NVMe, I don't think, I guess, now being reminded that that exists is outside of the realm of possibility um upgradable it could happen though right they could just build in like half a gigabyte of cash and just be like there's now it never honestly there's a smart argument if they even just put like (laughs) a super fast 128 gigabytes into the heart into the graphics card now it never offloads to your ddr4 yeah but (laughs) yeah I, I guess I'm going back to the upgradable part. Do you think that sounds realistic at all or no? Because I, I think so on the graphics card, no. Because I think feel like that goes back to my earlier point where I said, <laughs> we really want, as PC hardware people, things to upgrade with our parts. But I don't think that's where the majority of people that are buying things are at. <laughs> Why can't I upgrade my overclock my SSD? <laughs> I'm sure if you could, a lot of people would. <laughs> I've seen it. There are a couple you can from OCZ. Because <laughs> that's what you want. Data failure. Yeah. <laughs> Dan, there's overclockable power supplies from EVGA. <laughs> that's Why not? What I, want. I want my desktop to crash and to have no fucking clue which part it was that failed. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean, I guess having something like something like onboard NVMe, I guess, that could be a few years down the line. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, I would just say, I think the future that we want to, or I think whether you guys realize it or not, I think the ideal future, I think it's my opinion would be you buy memory, you buy uh, APU and you buy a motherboard and then you get the fuck out. That's it. You just get a motherboard, you buy an APU and the APU is perfectly balanced between the CPU and the graphics card. And then you say, well, this graphics card is pretty powerful, but I'm mostly doing compute tasks. Let me buy GDR6 DIMMs, or I'm doing a lot of gaming and it needs to be low latency. Let me buy HBM DIMMs. And then the HBM can also save the, the information on it. Like that's probably 10 years or more out, but that's the goal, right? Just DIMM slots that are a terabyte each. Which I would say the main issue with that future would be... Um Competing uh, competing computer parts companies, it, it wouldn't allow you to mix and match anymore, which, I mean... Well, you can now mix and match HBM with Polaris or... Yeah, that's true. I, I can easily see a company attempting to make that the standard, and I don't know if it would necessarily work. 
But what if it, because everything was closer, also gave you like a 50% performance boost? If it did, then every other company would be forced to move to the new system, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. And there will always be add-on storage, right? And there will always, like, there will always be adding another SSD in the background or something. Yeah. <laughs> well, then, yeah. that's it. That's all. <laughs> I guess the last thing I wanted to close on is kind of a closing theme here, and it's something I'll probably cover in Loose Ends, is uh, more just big changes coming to the Patreon tiers and the uh, Discord, the channel. Uh, I don't know if you guys have noticed how much has been changing and how much content and how how, how the quality of it over time here and how much more stuff I'm giving, but I just... Um, I just want to point out basically that, uh, yeah, there's now an exclusive podcast, Die Shrink. Uh, and uh, to those that say, why is there a paywall? Well, we've also been increasing how many broken silicons there are. So there's no paywall added. We're just giving more content to the people supporting us. So all I'm saying is uh, if you're on the fence about, obviously, if you're already supporting us, go for it. Uh, you're already doing it. Thank you. Uh, and that's awesome. But if you're on the fence, uh, there is a ton of stuff on the Patreon now <laughs> that you can utilize. And it's not just me. Dan's here, too. I'd like to start giving Dan some scraps for uh, helping me out so much all the time. Uh, you know, some grits off of the side <laughs> of the table here and there for his time. And also, I mean, there's an audio engineer making this stuff. I want to start compensating him. And I have someone who helps me with editing from time to time. I want to compensate him. I want to hire more people. So just keep that in mind. If you're on the fence, you're getting a lot more now. And if you're <laughs> one of those more professional users, use the boardroom. Talk to me more. That's where you can literally talk to me. Um, we're almost to the 384 or well, not, but we're getting there. I think we might get there by the end of the year, hopefully, the 384 supporter goal. And at that point, I think I've already reached all of my goals to get to that goal. So I think you'll be <laughs> rewarded already. And don't worry, I'm going to add another goal after the 384 one. And it's for some absurdly huge changes and upgrades <laughs> to quality. It's just here's the thing going from what I'm doing now to like higher quality video, audio, and a larger team requires more than twice the money. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I do. I'm looking at cameras. Hey, guys, did you know the difference between the camera I have now and one that I consider significantly better is like a factor of 10? Yeah. You just get to a point and then it's like, oh, that's the end of amateur and here's the professional stuff. <laughs> which I'm moving towards getting to and even just using 4K, which my camera is actually capable of. I just do it in 1080 P so that I can render and manage data easier and send it around to everyone across the world better. You know, eventually I will move to 4K, but I want to do it at the same time. I want Threadripper. I want 4K, higher quality audio. I want more storage. You have to do it all at once. It just, and it's going to take another tier. So again, if you're on the fence about supporting us, keep in mind that uh, this is still just the start and the stuff I'm thinking of doing for once I got to the next level, uh, the video format itself would change. <laughs> <laughs> like the way I would present videos would be insanely higher quality, like aiming for like Netflix video news quality. <laughs> like, 
So I don't know. Anything to add to that, Dan? No, no. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, that's just big changes to the channel that you you're running. I'm a part of it, but <laughs> you're running it. <laughs> Yeah, and it's, I don't know. The one thing I'll say is I, I'm not going to scale this up by just shitting out more videos a week. I think I've kind of figured it out. I want to do Broken Silicon every Wednesday. I want to do a die shrink for now. We're not sure if it's weekly, but at least every other week on a Friday. And when we can, every week eventually maybe, depending on timing and if you're paying us. <laughs> and then uh, a big video on Thursdays. And then I'm thinking of doing a small video every Sunday or around there. And then I just leave Fridays and Saturdays and Mondays and Tuesdays open because I like to get out quick videos as responses. <laughs> and it's just like, yeah, I'll just have Fridays, Mondays and Tuesdays, the least, you know, uh, or especially Mondays and Tuesdays, the least profitable days to release <laughs> videos wide open in case something drops. And then I just drop, you know, uh, impromptu quick reaction video. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm not just going to shit out more videos, guys. I'm not going to, what's going to happen is you'll get one to two podcasts a week and because we can do these all day. And also because then I can just focus on making two videos to three videos a week, higher quality. So the quality is going to go up is what's going to happen and the <laughs> amount of research done. In fact, it'd be good if I could have a fact checker, it'd probably be the next person I would hire. <laughs> <laughs> do you have more to add? I don't think I have anything else to say, but <laughs> No, just want to remind everyone that we exist. After, <laughs> of course, I'm sure everyone at the one and a half hour mark is a fan. So I yeah. should have been at the beginning. <laughs> I don't know. I know there's a lot of fans. I've done the polling that are still on the fence. So Okay. Well, I hope, I hope it convinces them. <laughs> As Dan said in the first episode, tell me if I'm okay. Guys, and I'll say it again now, guys, am I at least okay? <laughs> and we'll we'll go through the other ones. Uh, AMD is not sitting still. <laughs> well, thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening. We'll see. You'll listen to another episode next week. Sweet dreams, darlings. Goodbye. Broken Silicon, a PC hardware and gaming podcast, is predominantly brought to you by me, Tom of Moore's Law is Dead. You can find all of my content, including videos, articles, and this podcast at www.moreslawsdead.com. And of course, it is also often co-hosted by my brother, Dan. And it is edited by my sound engineer, Gerard Cortez. You can find his contact information at www.moreslawsdead.com. You can also find the contact information of my article editor, Carbon Cry. Now, of course, if you want to keep the show running, I really do hope you rate me on your podcasting platform of choice, share it with your friends, and if you have the money, but only if you do, consider supporting me on Patreon at Moore's Laws Dead. If you do, you get access to the Discord to talk to other enlightening people who work not just at AMD, not just at NVIDIA, but often in the server space in other computing areas that people often overlook. And of course... If you support it, you can get access to reading these people's names that keep the show running. But without further ado, let me give thanks to my greatest supporters. 
On September 20th, 2019, the following supporters are the net burst 10 gigahertz or a higher producer tier. Bootman, Hunter Drake, Dean, Ruckus, Justin Yant, Thomas Rupp, Tomas Braz, Jesse Blanton, Jordan Betcher, Mohammed Al-Kawari, Matthew Prubacher, Prime Tech TV, Justin Parrish, Zachary Martin, Terrence Harrod, Calm Marco, Otterwise Tech, Thyrus, the Ninth Dude, Greg Renegar, Kulin Lau, Daniel Cage, Night Rogue 77, Mechanical Philosopher, Lebo King Kilo, Bollocks, Derek Evans, Matthew McMullen, Christoph Novak, Neil X01, Matt Salem, Aaron Close, Sexy, Joshi, Frederick Lau, Alexander Dolar, Alathros, Telos, Caden, Greg T. Wanchek, Jacob Barber, Exoti, and, and now Whiny Care Bear. And of course, thank you to Sahara for the music. Music